1: I am Alexandra. (laughs) I'm Alexander, and together we are Lars Kepler. And you are listening to Writer Types.
0: Welcome to Writer Types. I am your host, Eric Bietner, and I have a special episode for you this time. I reached across the Atlantic to speak with nothing but Nordic crime writers. From the tiny volcanic island of Iceland to the snowy fjords of Sweden, I have four authors for you lovers of Scandinavian crime writing. Uh, I will apologize right here and now for any mispronunciations on names, but uh, I am someone who speaks English and enough high school Spanish to get by at a restaurant. That's about it. But uh, we begin in Iceland with my first guest, Eva Björg Eigestotter. Eva burst onto the scene with her award-winning debut, The Creek on the Stairs, and her follow-up, Girls Who Lie, is just out now. This series of police procedural mysteries takes place in a tiny village north of Reykjavik where Eva grew up herself. And we meet police officer Elma and her co-workers as they solve crimes in the windswept and isolated Icelandic coast. Eva is a former flight attendant who is now the toast of Icelandic crime writing. All the way from Iceland. This is very exciting for me. My my first uh, Icelandic author.
2: Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> you have a lot in store.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I noticed uh, you provide a pronunciation guide for your books, which is very helpful for people like myself uh, to get through some of these letters that we don't have <laughs> in, in English. Uh, But I noticed that you also left your own name off that pronunciation list.
2: (laughs) Yes. Well, it was my uh, English publisher that put the pronunciation list. While I was writing The Creek on the Stairs, I didn't even think about English readers. So I wasn't (laughs) particularly thinking about um, having the name Easy for English-speaking writers. Right. (laughs) Yes, yes. My name is Ægisdóttir. It's very hard. (laughs)
1: It's so nice.
0: (laughs) Well, your latest book, Girls Who Lie, is just out. This is a follow-up to your extremely well-received debut uh, that you just mentioned, The Creek on the Stairs. And you set these books uh, in a small town where you grew up. And small town mysteries have been around since Agatha Christie. So what is there that's uniquely Icelandic about your small town in these books?
2: Hmm, It's a difficult question. I think it's so hard to answer. Like, I think it's best for like people that are not Icelandic to (laughs) analyze that.
0: That's a good point.
2: It's hard when you live in Iceland kind of to point out specific uh, things that are Icelandic. But, well, my town, I think it's just a typical Icelandic uh, town that evolved around the sea. And uh, it's a small town. Uh, when I was growing up, it was about 5,000 people living there. And for me, uh, I didn't even think about setting my book in another place than Akranes. It's like the town I know the best. And yeah, I've lived there all my life. so.
0: Yeah well and and i guess in in one way small towns have so much in common no matter where what country you're in so that the the that's why these mystery plots can can kind of be set anywhere if it's in america if it's in england or, or if it's in iceland
2: yeah exactly and i think it's uh, it has a kind of like a well the mystery is so uh, interesting because if you put it in a small town you have like all these relationship uh with people that are very close and I thought that the, because in Akranes there are actually uh, the police that they have like an investigating team of three people that uh, have all the uh, western region in Iceland to handle like the more difficult cases, and I <laughs> I thought afterwards that it must be very hard for them to investigate cases in Akronas because, I mean, it's most likely, I don't know, your wife's uncle or something that you're investigating. I mean, you have all these long term relationships there. So I think it's hard to be objective there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, like so many of us, you started slow with your writing, starting when you were young. Uh, and then when you really got serious and decided to finish a novel, it, it seems from what I read that it all went pretty smoothly. But uh, could it have been that easy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it actually hasn't. I, I don't know. I I mean, I know that many people, they write and they write and uh, it takes years to build a career. And I think for me, it happened kind of fast. Um, uh, My book came out here in Iceland in 2018 and I got um, the first publisher I spoke to. They (laughs) gave out my book. So, yeah, and it went uh, Pretty quickly after that because I received the Blackbird Prize. So uh, with that prize came an agent in the UK. So, yeah, it happened very quickly. But, I mean, I, I think things are slowing down now, and especially when you have COVID and everything. Everything has been going way <laughs> slower than usually. Right. Yeah, and I think it's good because I'm a very impatient per- person. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: Well, hey, Next Stop America, it's time for you to uh, to, to conquer the yeah, States, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, in uh, The Creek on the Stairs, you introduce us to Officer Elma and to her colleagues. And when you went back to them for Girls Who Lie, did everything fall back into place very easily? Or do you f- feel like you're still getting to know these characters as you write them?
2: Yeah, I think I'm still getting to know them. Uh, I don't plan beforehand what I'm going to write about them. So I'm just learning to know them uh, as I write. Like now I'm writing my fourth book and uh, it's kind of a prequel. Mm. Uh, and that I have uh, two of the detectives, not Elma. So now I can't wait to go back and <laughs> do the next in the series because I'm kind of missing Alma. So uh, yeah, I have a lot of ideas what's in store for them.
0: Well, I, I want to know, how did the people in your hometown react, to, you know, when you set these books there? Initially, it must be exciting, but then all of a sudden they're filled with murder and they're filled with these dark secrets. <laughs> well, how do people think?
2: They took it very well. I mean, they have these tours around the lighthouse uh, where the murder took place. The oh, wow. And I mean, it's been kind of more than I could hope for. They're, they're very, very proud. I th- I'm All of my books are taught in the elementary school there. Wow. So all of the kids have to read them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of crazy. But I th- they took it very well. And especially because they are so proud of the lighthouse and the lighthouse area. It's, uh, it's Yeah, it has become kind of like a tourist attraction, not because of my books. It was, <laughs> it was before. When I was young, it was just this lighthouse and there was nothing around it and you could go into the lighthouse. Now there's a man working there.
0: Wow. Well, you yourself uh, spent some time living in Norway for a while, so you got a taste of another Nordic country. Iceland is set apart by its isolation. I mean, obviously you're on an island there. So, I mean, we can't lump all Scandinavian writers into one group, right? I mean, there are a lot of similarities, but also a lot that makes... Iceland unique, I would assume. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think you're right, and they all have certain elements uh, like the cold and the dark and the long winter nights, and it's all very moody and kind of dark, I think. And I'm not sure. I mean, I I read a lot of other Scandinavian uh, crime writers, and yeah, I think I think they have a different tone and. Um, I always, like I said before, I find it so hard to put everything in categories. I, yeah. I just, I just write, and I think that um, it's actually other people's job to analyze it if they want to. <laughs> you, right. I, I actually lived in Norway. I didn't feel like I was away from home there. I felt it was kind of not not so different from Iceland.
0: Yeah. Very, well, if you ever come to Los Angeles, it, it will be very different. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know. Oh, I guess I've been there, uh, actually, for 12 hours, a few times. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was working as a flight attendant, and we had, like, a 12-hour rest stop there.
0: Oh, nice.
2: <laughs> I and forth from Iceland and L.A., so I didn't get to see much.
0: <laughs> well, you probably saw my house. I live right next to LAX. You might hear some airplanes oh, okay. going over.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. The one with the red house. Red
0: yes, house.
1: that's the red one. Room. yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, Iceland—it's—it's uh, always on the top of my list when my wife asks where we should go on our vacation next. I haven't been able to convince her to to go for it yet. She likes warm warmer islands <laughs> like yeah, Hawaii. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, do you find that there's a, a certain type of person who's drawn to a, a place like Iceland to to visit? You know, when you when you see tourists come through, I mean. It's. It seems like a kind of place that uh, that certainly not everyone. It's not on the top of everyone's list, but for the people who who are interested, it's it's definitely a life goal to get there.
2: Mm-hmm. I think you definitely have to be like an outdoorsy type of person. You have to be okay with a cold and and not being able to predict the weather. I mean, it can be even if you come in the summer, it can be very windy and very cold and very a lot of rain and. So I think it's people with uh, a huge interest in like nature and all, all the things that Iceland has to has to has to offer, like the hot springs and the volcanoes. And I mean, we have amazing nature here. So yeah, I think it's definitely something that attracts.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, and and I have to say uh, the Icelandic accent, probably my favorite the world over. I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Don't know what it is, but I just love it.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my accent is too too strong, but <laughs> I'm trying to work on it
0: no it's well it's, it's impressive because i don't i've never uh, met anyone from iceland who doesn't know how to speak english and i've <laughs> never met an american who knows how to speak icelandic so yeah, you guys are way up on us
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right
0: uh well excellent I, I mean thank you so much eva for joining me and uh, i certainly think the uh, american and uh, english language readers are, are going to really take to this series uh, when, when they discover it and we look forward to hearing more about Elma and the rest of the crew there. So congratulations.
2: Oh, thank you Jean. It's Nice talking to you.
0: My next guest is a twofer. Solveig Palestotter is a popular writer from Iceland who is just now being translated into English with her award-winning novel, Silenced, though she's been very popular all around Scandinavia for a while now. And we're also lucky enough to be joined by Quentin Bates, who is Solovig's translator into English and is himself an accomplished writer of crime novels set in Iceland, although Quentin is British. Quentin has a love for the tiny North Sea island and even married an Icelander. He translates many best selling writers from Iceland, like Ragnar Jonasson and uh, some others that I can't quite pronounce, but it was a treat to talk to both of them at once. All right. Uh, well, we'll jump right in and uh, and get everybody on with their day.
3: Yes. Well, our day is almost over. I'll well, that's
0: true. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you on to your supper.
3: You can get on to your supper and you can get on to your day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's you need to speak to rather than me. So.
0: No no I I'm I'm here definitely here for you for you both and this is going to be an interesting uh, conversation to, to get to the different perspectives uh, because you, you Quentin you have a different uh, a unique inside look at uh, Solvig's work so uh, I'm I'm curious to know uh, some some things from you but uh, this whole episode I'm talking with all Nordic writers okay uh, and I wanted to get uh, into this thing that has become so very, very popular in the United States and really the, the worldwide, we had no idea there was such darkness and so much murder and deception and lies on this tiny little island of Iceland. Solving is that you're not doing your tourism industry any favors. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sölvek, I I do want to know. I mean, I've I've talked to authors from Sweden and and Norway, and we sort of lump these Scandinavian uh, crime novels uh, into one basket. I think when they get exported, uh, you know, to the United States, do you think there is anything uniquely Icelandic about your own books or about Icelandic uh, authors in general?
1: Yes,
4: uh, I would say so. I can only talk for myself. I love the nature. So the nature, the Icelandic nature, is a huge and a very strong part of me and my writing. I travel a lot and I hike a lot. Many of my stories they um, take places in not in Reykjavik, and uh, I always go and stay where where the story is located. No. Where, where yeah, I always stay there for a few days. Of course, you know the place and the nature get into your bones and into your writing.
0: Yeah. And and when you travel there, are you hoping uh, you're just soaking in the atmosphere or are you hoping that uh, someone's going to turn up dead that you can get inspired for the next?
4: (laughs) No, (laughs) I certainly do not hope so. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it inspires my imagination.
0: Well, that's great.
4: I uh, like to both watch people and listen to people. To get inspiration for my stories,
0: that's that's what makes a writer. We're all observers and uh, eavesdroppers, right?
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, Quentin, you are clearly not an Icelandic native. We can tell uh, from your accent, but you were strongly drawn to this land, and you have ended up writing about it, and have now become an in-demand translator into English uh, for Icelandic authors. Do you see that certain Icelandic sensibility in? the books that you've translated and the writers that you've read uh, who are from Iceland? Uh,
3: very much so. People from outside the Nordic region um, in, in America or, or Britain or Europe, they look at these Nordic countries, which are all relatively small nations and they just see this sort of blonde haired, blue eyed, homogenous mass. Um, but it's not that way at all. Each of them has a very distinct character and personality. Each nation has its own distinct character, personality, way of thinking Customs, traditions, and Iceland is no no exception there at all.
0: Well, now Solveig, uh, Quinton is your translator for for yes. the books that you have uh, in English, and uh, I mean clearly you're an English speaker, and and uh, Icelanders all learn English in in, in a way that uh, shames uh, Americans because we're we're so English only, we're the worst. But, but uh, I mean, obviously, it's got to be it's so different to write in in that second language that uh, that's never is that something you have ever been tempted to do is just write something straight in, in English or you you like having the safety of writing in your home language and then using a translator?
4: Yeah, yeah. That's the only option because, you know, I'm not that good in English. I can <laughs> write. I, I, I need to write in Icelandic. I think in that way, writing in my tongue, my mother's tongue, I'm able to express myself in the way I couldn't do in English. Or right. Danish. Danish is the first language we used to learn in Icelandic schools. Oh, and okay. then English. Yeah. But uh, Quentin, I'm so lucky to have him as a translator because he understands uh, Iceland and Icelanders and the Icelandic so- society. So I don't have to explain to him what I mean because he understands then he is his wife is Icelandic and as he says he has a living encyclopedia
0: <laughs> next to him
4: in the house
0: well that's great I mean Quentin when you are getting some of these books I, I, do you run into things you know maybe it's a little slang terms or idioms or anything like that 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 maybe does, doesn't even have a direct translation even if you understand it from your time being there and and interacting with Icelanders, is there some stuff that just won't translate and you have to come up with sort of a workaround?
3: Oh, all the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there are, there, every language has words that, don't, that you can't translate. There are, there are a few Icelandic words that need a whole sentence to, to convey what they put across in one word and vice versa. Right. There are expressions they don't have in Icelandic that, that we have in English. The fun part is, well, fun part, the hard part is uh, anything to do with plays on words or jokes? Mm, they tend yeah, to be, they tend to be hard to do. Fortunately, there aren't all that many jokes in crime novels, <laughs> <laughs> but there are all kinds of idioms that crop up that you that need to be occasionally need to be worked around. For
4: example, it's a, a very good exp- example is uh, the title of *Silenced*.
3: Oh yes, oh. that was yes. fun, wasn't it? Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> it's called *Fjötrar* in Icelandic. So, Quentin, if you would explain for him.
3: Well, the original idea was that the book should be called Shackles. Oh. Because that's what f- Fjotr means. It almost means shackles, but it, it means more bonds or ties. Whereas a shackle in English is, is a specific metal a set of manacles. Yeah. Whereas in Icelandic, it's a much wider term.
4: Family so, ties.
3: Yes. You know. Yeah, we had to mess around with that for quite a while before we got to, got to silence.
0: Boy, right from the beginning, right on the title page, you you're already an well, uphill battle.
4: No, it was almost the only thing.
0: Oh, okay. Which well, is true,
3: yeah. We didn't argue, we didn't have much to argue about at all, yeah. did we? No. <laughs> I, actually. So I have to say that solving is a joy to work with because Thank you. Uh, well, that's nice yeah, because well, this is one of the strange things about translating into English is that you're you've got a fairly good chance that your author can read what you're writing. <laughs> my, my books have been translated into Finnish and Estonian and I see the translations and I just look at them and say yep, lovely, thanks very much <laughs> no idea what's in there but Icelandic authors, they want to look Yeah. and occasionally a, a manuscript will come back covered in all kinds of red lines <laughs> whereas Solveig was I sent her the, the, you know, the translation to read through said no, please take a look tell me what you think and I got a one line message back I said it's fine, thank you very much
0: wow there you was,
3: go. That was it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, all right, Solvig, let's let's talk about your, your books because you write uh, not really a traditional series. These these books can all be taken as standalones and read just to, you know, you can jump in at any point. And yet you write about the same characters. Yes. Why, why did you want to do something that was not a traditional serialized uh, type of series?
4: I just write what I want. I don't, do, I'm not aiming to fit into some box. I only write what I would like to read. And I write about things that uh, are, in my opinion, very important. All my books have some social meaning. You know, there are more to them than the prime. So if my writers like to read deeper, it's a good thing. But if you only enjoy the, the prime, you know, and solving the crime, you can also enjoy your reading. Right. I have to have some, uh, a strong agenda, you know, so it has to go to my heart, if you know yeah. what I mean.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, yeah, of course, you're going to spend so much time and, and yes. effort in working on this. You have to believe it. It has to be something uh, not only for the reader, but for the writer, of course. Thank you. Exactly what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because uh, Quentin. Now, let's let's turn to to your books that you write uh, on your own. And you know, not only a translator, a very uh, accomplished author. And uh, going back to your first novel, Frozen Assets, the real life experiences of what was going on in Iceland at the time with the financial crisis and so you know, oh, yes. it, the real life society and the issues that are going on almost have to end up on the page.
3: Yeah. There's there's a lot more to it. Yeah. And I couldn't not use the financial crash as well because I was I was there when it happened. Um, Yeah, that week when the when the banks admitted that they'd been using Mastercard to pay their Visa bill and vice versa, Um, (laughs) and I was halfway through writing the book at the time, and I had to, and I had to rewrite it to include all this stuff. Uh, And I thought at the time that I'd I'd gone way over the top in describing all the idiocy and the lunacy of it but as more and more came out about the financial crash in the following years I realized I hadn't even scratched the surface. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quinn I know when, when I go back uh, I, I finish a first draft and I go back to the top to start my revisions sometimes it it feels like I'm having to translate something that was written in a foreign language and uh, <laughs> I have to search for what I was really trying to say on the page during the first draft. Do you ever yeah, feel sorry. that with, with your own work? Do you ever feel like okay, well, that's all well and good, but how do I actually say this in English?
3: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that happens. I think, well, what was this all about? And why did I write that? That happens all the time, I'm afraid. (laughs) So why did I write this? What what did I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have to interpret your own work.
3: especially, yeah, the, the stuff that's written late at night or, or scribbled down at the back of a meeting or something when I should be working. Well,
0: Solveig, I'm curious to know, have you had uh, a different response uh, from readers who've read your books in English versus uh, readers in Iceland? Have, have, have you gotten different feedback? Have people react uh, very differently to to the books?
4: I only got very good reviews. That's good. I'm so happy. And, uh, you know, I got... Uh, the blood drop. It's the for the best crime book in Iceland, 2020. That's for silenced, and uh, it makes me so happy to see how the English reviewers. They, they they go deep. They understand what I'm writing about, you know, and they give them. They, they are giving themselves uh, time to think about uh, the things I'm writing about. It's not it's not done in a hurry.
0: Well, I, I think you, you raise a good point with the with you know the, the social aspects of of your books because I do think that sometimes readers will read a book from another country and. Only be interested in, in the exotic otherness of it, but uh, when you when you get a book that has a, a little bit more of that substance, like you're saying that extra layer, I, I can understand really more about the people and about the country and something more than just uh, you know being a tourist, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know for myself, I, I like to read something to be taken to a different place and to learn about a different culture and, and, and learn about different people. And it's, it's wanting to feel like you're there on the ground. And I think if you're actually going to these little small towns, then it makes me feel like I've been there. So I readers appreciate that.
4: That's the wonder of books. It takes you everywhere, you know, and, and you get to know people and places. And different opinions. Right. That's the wonder of books.
0: So, if, if I can actually convince my wife uh, to for us to visit Iceland, can I uh, come knock on your door and you'll show me around Reykjavik?
4: <laughs> of course. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'll show you the volcano. I've been there twice now. Oh, yeah? It's like a one and a half hours walk.
0: Wow. That's that's very
3: close.
4: It's fascinating. This is, fascinating. It's this is fascinating. an urban volcano. <laughs> yes, it's so close. It's only a few kilometers from the next village. I wouldn't <laughs> like to live there. <laughs> <laughs> you should come
0: over and see it i i would like to but it, it, again like I'll, if i read your books or i read Quentin's books or any of the other writers that i've talked to today i also feel like there's a good chance i'll be murdered <laughs> finally today i spoke with karen Gerhardsen from her home outside stockholm sweden karen is the author of the internationally popular hammerby series of novels Her latest Black Ice is a standalone, though, about an accident that brings a group of strangers together with secrets to keep and the lengths that some of them will go to to keep that secret. Now, I will apologize uh, up front here for the poor audio quality, but hey, give me a break. We were talking to each other from over 5,500 miles apart, and sometimes the connections just are not on your side. But uh, do stick with it, because Karen was a fascinating person to talk to, and she's a great author, She's a former mathematician who brings that calculating mind to her plots, and it has helped her become a bestseller all around the world, and she's ready to conquer America. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, It's a lovely afternoon there in Stockholm, Sweden, even though it's early morning here in Los Angeles. But no matter where we are, crimes happen, and we have to write about them. Isn't that right? Well,
1: you don't have to write about them, but... And some of us preferred to
0: do that. <laughs> well, and some of us are, are doing quite well with that. You, your uh, Hammered bee series has uh, been quite an international success.
1: Well, yes, it is.
0: But you, uh, your new book now, Black Ice, is a standalone novel. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to start. You have a very inspiring story about how you became a writer because you published a book many years ago. And, and when it didn't do that well, you set aside writing for a long time but then came back to it. And now here you are. Was being a writer always sort of sitting there as kind of a regret, something that you didn't do, that you, a dream you still wanted to fulfill the whole time?
1: The first one I wanted to, I tr- I wanted to, to write, and I actually wrote it. It was a you know, philosophical novel, inspired by Franz Kafka and, uh, or things like that. So I was quite pretentious, but uh, well, it got good reviews really. But, you know, nobody wanted to buy it, or not enough, not enough people anyway, so um, I just stopped. And then uh, my husband, Ken, persuaded me after 15, 20 years or so to, to take it up again. And I was thinking that I don't want to regret that I didn't really give it a good try.
0: Well, your latest Black Ice is about a group of strangers who are forced together by a tragic accident and, of course, some secrets. There are some dark secrets in there. This book is uh, its a step away from you writing about the police. Uh, did it take some adjustment to not have sort of the structure of a police procedural to fall back on?
1: No, I don't think the police procedure was the main thing for me. But, you know, I, I created the universe, the Hammondby police, so... Then I had to start all over again to create a new universe with different characters. But I found that really interesting and fun.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's always a challenge to keep ourselves inspired in our own writing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought that I I I write something completely different from uh, from the Hanobi series. Develop my own personality and my writing.
0: Yeah. And you have all these, uh, these shifting perspectives. It's, it's told from the points of view of uh, several different people. Was that a challenge to, to keep, it, keep it straight and with all these different voices uh, talking to you?
1: Uh, it was indeed very difficult. But I'm a mathematician in the beginning. So I like um, this kind of challenges. And when I finished half of it, about that, I got seriously ill. So I was in hospital for two months. Too, um, I was too tired, I didn't sleep, it was all stuff. So, you know, after two months, I was so stupid. That's what you get when you don't sleep and don't eat. I couldn't understand my own story. And then I thought, um, what do they tell old people to do to keep their minds as it was before? And then I thought, well, that's crosswords, problem solving, and stuff like that. And uh, what could be a more challenging? Problem solving for me. That actually finished the book and try to understand it. So I pushed myself really, really hard every day. I get I got a little bit smarter, and finally I was uh,
0: back where I began. Wow, that's amazing. Most writers always complain about struggling and how hard it is to write a book, but I think you've got us all beat. So Black Ice being a standalone, I, when when you're in the middle of your hammerbee series and uh thinking about maybe what's coming in the in the next book in that series do you do standalone ideas keep cropping up to you do you get an, an inspiration and make a note and say maybe I'll get to that later or did you finish that the latest hammerbee novel and say okay now it's time to write something totally different a standalone was was it intentional that you wanted to write something that was just on its own yeah i i um i
1: can't think of two books or
0: Well, I read that you said that when you started writing crime fiction, you had to stop reading it in order to not be influenced. And I I definitely struggle with that sometimes because I feel like whatever I'm reading, it kind of creeps in onto the page of what I'm writing, even if it's just sort of a mood or or something. I mean, but was it hard to set aside something that obviously you you love reading crime fiction? Is it hard to, to let that go while you're writing something?
1: Well, I, I, I did love to read crime fiction, but when I started myself, I uh, just saw through some some cheap tricks that other authors <laughs> kept doing, like identical twins. Well, I, I read crime novels very rarely, but only if I'm absolutely sure that it's a.
0: Well, you also, you named uh, The Laughing Policeman as the best crime novel perhaps ever written. Now, I've seen the film that they made uh, in in the U.S. here a long time ago, but I've never read that book. And there has to be just a treasure trove of Swedish crime fiction novels that came before Stieg Larsson that we don't know about in America, right? There's there's a long history there.
1: I'm not sure it's that long, but... um... I think it was quite immature before um, the 70s, really. So it was a bit Agatha Christie style. Uh-huh. More like, you know, idyllic environments and, and, and like the rough, uh, noir stuff.
0: Yeah, now everything is uh, in the bleak winter and snow and <laughs> you, you guys go dark. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we all different. I love it when it's dark, but I don't like, uh, you know, Midsummer Marys. I like it, but it's not, uh, it doesn't feel um, authentic. The that just doesn't kill everybody. Right. I want it uh, realistic.
0: Well, Black Ice—the new one—I uh, think is this. Is, if people haven't read your work yet here in the states, this is a great introduction. It, it was—it was a twisty story, and and it really went a lot of places that I didn't expect. And uh, I—I love the sort of the slow reveals of of these secrets and the the shifting perspectives of the women really kept me turning pages. I really I like uh, the way that you were very careful about when you would hide information and then when you would reveal information. I know writing a story like this that's always kind of the trickiest part don't you think
1: yeah because you, you cannot lie to the reader that's absolutely forbidden you trick the reader but you mustn't
0: lie there's a, there's a tip for the, the young writers out there don't lie and don't talk down to your readers <laughs> excellent uh well thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me uh, all the way from uh, halfway around the world karen i really appreciate you talking to me today
1: thank you for having me that was fantastic
0: Okay, well, that's it for this special all-Scandinavian episode, and I'm sure we'll have more of these Nordic noir writers on in the future. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode, so tune in then, and thanks for listening.